Hey fam, Monica here, a member of the Creepinati. Welcome to another episode of A Paranormal Chicks with our fave gals, Carrie and Donna. Enjoy the show, and remember, stay spooky, y'all. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 98. And you just heard from Monica, who, of course, you know, kicked ass on the intro. Oh, you're changing it up on us, huh? Well, I mean, I can't, I mean, you you know, gotta leave you guessing. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I even left myself guessing. I didn't even know what words I wanted to say just then. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you what, Monica could open up a OnlyFans. I can't say words either. <laughs> but what Monica could do is open up an OnlyFans with that voice at the end. Oh, that's so spooky. Okay. okay yeah, not you. Not, not you. <laughs> Poor Monica. <laughs> Monica looking at you, not her. Not even out of my peripheral vision over here. <laughs> not Carrie. Not her. Not today. Not ever. Stay spooky. No. no. I, I mean, there is a, <laughs> there probably is an audience for that. But uh, don't. Yes. The character on Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> Did, Did somebody say steak? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you want to be sexy like Monica, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Or I'm sexy like us. I mean, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that was that. like a gonzo laugh almost. <laughs> wow, you Poor know what? Colby. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Even when I say gonzo, it comes out in that and like gonzo, gonzo. Yeah, you can't yeah, say like, oh, that was a gonzo. It was like gonzo, gonzo. The first story says, "Hey y'all, I have a story about almost being kidnapped. I grew up in a small town. Our school in the center of town was just down the road from the local park." This story takes place in 2007, after school in 7th grade. I would walk to the park on days my older brother worked at the restaurant across the street from the park. And on days he was off, he would pick me up. Well, this story takes place on a day he worked. It started out as a normal day. I walked to the gas station with my friends after school to get something to drink and a snack, more than likely a monster and a pizza stick. What is a pizza stick? <laughs> Something that you would sounds like right up your. It sounds alley. like a long combo, and yes, I wonder if it's hard or if it's soft, like like a pretzel, like a warm pretzel. You know what I'm talking about? Like you would get it like Annie Ann's. Oh, you know how you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Like that texture. I mean, not mm-hmm. not a pretzel, but like that consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking it's like a combo, like a hard, like a hard pretzel filled with not a combo, stuff. like a like a hamburger and fries combo. Oh yeah, sorry, like a combo, like the snack. Mm -hmm. chip yeah it's a pretzel filled snack my friends went back to school for band practice i made my way to the park and set my stuff down and proceeded to finish up my homework while sitting at a picnic table i noticed there were some cars in the parking lot but i figured it was some of the people on the walking track i finished my homework and checked the time to see how much longer my brother had to work one more hour i called my mom to let her know i'd finished my homework and was going to just chill for the next 50 minutes And then walk over to the restaurant my brother worked at and wait for him to clock out. I get off the phone with my mom and a friend called about some homework. I walked him through the homework and looked back over my homework so I could double check the work I was telling him. 
I noticed an older guy walking and looking around. I ended the call with my friend and started packing my stuff up because I immediately had a bad feeling. I went to get up and start my way to the restaurant. He stopped me and blocked my way. He started asking me some creepy personal questions, like if I had a boyfriend, if so, do we kiss? The hair on the back of my neck stood straight up. Since he had blocked my way and I didn't have my book bag completely on yet, I swung at him and hit him with it. Hell yeah. I bolted down the walking track close to the road and crossed the street to the restaurant. When I got to the restaurant, I had tears streaming down my face and asked for my brother. The owner was there and said, oh, he's on the clock. Just wait for him. After a few minutes of going back and forth with the owner, my brother came out of the kitchen and immediately knew something was wrong because I was not the girl who cried or argued with my elders. He walked over and asked what happened, and I told him. He looked at his boss and said, She's waiting in here for the last 30 minutes of my shift. If you have a problem with it, you can fire me. I'm not sending her to my truck to wait for that creep to walk over here. Once we finally got home, we told my mom what happened. We all agreed, of course, I was not going to walk over to the park anymore. I'm not sure why we didn't call the cops after this, but we didn't. Fast forward to my freshman year of college, and I'm working in a nursing home rehabilitation center in the kitchen, and I see the same guy visit a resident. I had to serve her tray. This fucker just smirked at me the whole time. That night, I had a male coworker from housekeeping walk me to my car. To this day, I don't know what would have happened had I not ran away, but I still see him time to time in town. I felt guilty for a while because we didn't call the cops, but since all he did was ask creepy questions, we knew they wouldn't take it seriously. I love the podcast and have plenty of paranormal stories I will send in later. Lauren. Wow. Like, damn, Lauren Go just was like, you. whop. Mm-hmm, backpack, backpack. I mean, fucking Dora could never. Right? Hell Yes. And fuck that boss, dude. I mean, I get you have a thing, but like. I mean, okay, first of all, he's not like this fucking OR surgeon or a fucking like factory worker that's on like a timed machine. Like, right. It's okay. He can take a fucking two second break to yes. see what the fuck is wrong. Like, have you have you come in this restaurant crying before? No. Is this out of the ordinary? Yes. So clearly something is fucking wrong. Yes. I'm really glad you were quick to think about that, and you were really aware of your surroundings. Yeah, he definitely was up to something sinister because he blocked your path. Like, he Mm -hmm. knew what was up. He knew what he was doing. So good for fucking you. Because even if he wasn't going to do anything physical, more so than blocking your path, still talking to you like that, making you feel uncomfortable, that's not his right to do. And you're a child at the time. Like, Mm -hmm. no. That's not fucking okay. Right. Also, um, this has nothing to do with your story, but also kind of on the, like, kind of adjacent to the story. I just talked to my dad about this um, because he is on a Sprite kick. Well, he calls it Sprite with a K. Him and my aunt must be something that runs in their family. But I was, like, opening it real slow. I was, like, making sure it doesn't spew on you. And he was like, okay. And so then I had to tell him, because I'm like cracking myself up, like literally cracked up. And he's just like, okay. Do you know this story, Carrie? 
I, I don't think so. Okay. So me and Tiffany used to go to the Junior Food Mart, and right across from that was Fred's. So we would go get like, I don't know, like dollar nail polish and shit like that. But then we'd also go get something to drink and like, you know, whatever, some snacks. So one day we were doing our little walk and I got a root beer because that's what I always get. Well, it spewed all over me when we got back to Tiffany's house. So the next time we did our little excursion, Tiffany, being older and wiser, said, God, I wish y'all could just picture Tiffany. She opened that freezer door, got the Sprite, and said, I'm going to get Sprite because it doesn't spew. Okay? (laughs) We get home to her house, and she opens that fucking Sprite, and it spews everywhere. (laughs) And that, y'all, was, gosh, 30 years ago? (laughs) No, No lie. Like, <laughs> at least 20 years ago. Oh, God, no. At least 27 years ago. I was going to say, 20 years ago, we'd have been 16. Yeah, no. At Y'all least, have like, driven down there. Yeah. At least, like, 27 years ago. And um, still, if we see Sprite or anything, like, if I get a root beer, if anything happens, we're like, I'll get a Sprite because it doesn't spew. Because it was just, like, how she said it and everything. <laughs> and it was just, like everywhere and it's like uh-huh uh-huh so like seriously it still happens so you know how we say we don't drop shit if we're gonna make fun of you for the rest of your life we will make fun of you for the rest of your life yes they will uh-huh uh-huh all right the next one's called what made the boom so when i was younger my mom my brothers even my non-believer dad would tell me this Forgive my rambling and my grammar. Okay, so picture this. It's late 70s. My very poor parents lived here in Nebraska, and they moved their mobile home to the place my dad's job as a cowboy slash ranch hand was. They got told to park in front of an old abandoned house, and the man said, Oh, so by the way, the lights turn on sometimes, even though there's no electricity to it. So my dad was like, Whatever. So on they go with my two brothers, me not even being thought of yet, parking their mobile home there. Well, my parents did see the light, but just ignored it. My brothers, being curious boys, went over to the house. They went inside the house, but soon got scared and ran back home. Well, that night, everyone is sound asleep. It's a clear night. It's summer and all is great until early that morning, something hits the tongue of their mobile home so hard my dad runs outside seeing absolutely nothing near the mobile home, nothing running away, just nothing. My parents said it could only be described as someone hitting the mobile home tongue with a sledgehammer as the noise was heard ringing throughout the mobile home. That's the creepiest one I have for right now. Creep it real, ladies. With all the sunshine and love, Kimberly M. from Nebraska. I bet that just like reverberated throughout the trailer. Yes. Oh, gosh. And I love that your dad is the one who's like a non-believer, but he still tells a story. Yeah. (laughs) That's so creepy, though. Like, by the by, there's (laughs) this house that you're parking in front of. No electricity, but sometimes the lights come on. Yeah. Just ignore it. It's fun. It's cool. It's fun. Right? It's good. (laughs) It's, It's fun. Mm-mm. Nope, don't like that. A little weird. 
not not so much into that. I mean, it definitely saves on electricity. Right. You don't have to pay for the lights. Now, it'd be really bizarre if there weren't any bulbs. Oh, no. Shit still oh. Could mm. you imagine? Mm-mm. The next one says, here's my story. It's long, but important, I think. I love that they started off just like us. Okay. <laughs> hey, ladies. First off, hello. You are so awesome. Also, I would like to reference the gal who wrote y'all in the beginning of Sinister Sightings episode 47. I, too, am a procrastinating doofus who meant to send this over a month ago. I would have most likely let this message type on for about a year. Sorry, it's not related to my ghost story. I just love the relation I encountered with this fan who wrote into you guys. I came across your podcast for the first time not even a week ago, and I am hooked. I know my friends and family are probably looking at me crazy because of how often I have your podcast playing on my Bluetooth record player in my room. I'm 21 years old and my name is Sarah. Some call me Patty, some call me Lou. I have been dealing with paranormal experiences on and off my whole life thus far. I'm no stranger to it. I think I had watched every episode of Ghost Adventures by the age of eight or so. I even went on a tour of one of the haunted jails in Charleston, South Carolina that the Ghost Adventures team did an investigation on. As a kid with an itch for all things paranormal, I used to want to be a paranormal investigator so badly as a career when I was older. Still kind of want to. Anywho, just a little backstory. Let me quit rambling on and get to the stories. I remember always hating my experiences in the moment every time they would occur, but after the fact, I just couldn't stop thinking about them because I would just be so intrigued. I know, I'm strange, whatevs. The earliest memory I have of my experiences is from when I was eight years old and staying in an old motel in Deep Creek Lake. Me, my mom, stepdad, and my sister all headed up there to visit our second cousins. I'm sorry, where? Deep Creek Lake. Is Does no one else have a problem with that? <laughs> that it's a creek and a lake? Yeah. Girl Scout, I am not, so that could, that is definitely a possibility, but, uh, what? Maybe it starts as a creek and then flows into a lake. Okay. I, I didn't name it. I don't know. I don't even know where it is. Okay. Just... Going to the creek? No, I'm going to the lake. Which one? Deep Creek Lake. Oh, okay. You know, some people call it a crick. Some people are wrong. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you're a crick of my neck. You could have. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> I could have. You're right. This motel had two beds, one near the door and one near the bathroom. My sister and I both slept in the bed next to the bathroom the very first night we stayed at the motel. There was a closet without a door right across from our bed. In the middle of the night, everyone was asleep already, but I couldn't for some reason. I've always had trouble with insomnia. I looked over to the closet because something caught the corner of my eye. Sure enough, there was a man and a woman standing side by side, just staring at my sister and me. The woman was in a dress and had dark, short hair and was a little bit heavier. She was smiling with a soft smile in a sort of comforting way, but nonetheless, I was scared shitless, absolutely shitless. The man was tall and scrawny with a gray mustache and was wearing a tuxedo and a top hat. They were both fairly old, 
I immediately turned my body to face my mom's bed that was near the door and hid under the covers. I was so tense and I stayed that way until I fell asleep and I woke up in the same position. I don't know if this happens to anyone else, especially from younger experience stories, but anytime something like this would occur, I would get the worst heat flashes. Maybe because I've always hid under the covers, but when I wouldn't, I still had this wave of heat just going over me until whatever the experience was, was over. Anywho, so upon waking up, I immediately sit up to look at the closet and it was empty. I get up to look in it and see if there was anything that could have made up these figures, but it was empty except for two empty white hangers. This motel was attached to a diner, so we all walked next door to have breakfast. My sister and I are sitting next to each other and we order. While we're waiting for the food, she starts to tell me how she had a terrifying dream last night and there was a man and a woman in the closet. My face went pale. I look at her with what I'm assuming was a horrid facial expression because she looked back at me with the saddest, most pale face I've ever seen on her. I said, come to the bathroom with me now. Me being me, I wanted to debunk anything. So I get her in the diner's bathroom and immediately ask her to describe the man and the woman. And she described them in complete accuracy to the man and woman I had saw. I had to break the news to her that it was not a dream she had, and she was so spooked out. We slept there one final night, and the man and woman didn't show up again. Story number two. Fast forward to when I was 12. My dad was dating a woman living in a beach town in Maryland. We go there to kayak and hang out and also stay there for the night. My dad's girlfriend, Kat, and her daughter, Sandy, tell my sister and I that there was a ghost that resides in their house, and they just wanted to warn us so that we weren't scared, just in case something went bump in the night. They reassured us that they think it was the former owner, who was just a sweet old lady who passed away in the house. Kat told me that there is a thing that she does every once in a while, where she knocks on the front door, and she won't stop until somebody opens the door. And, of course, nobody will be there, but it's just to let her in, perhaps. Kind of like an outdoor cat who meows. She said this to me specifically because guess who would be sleeping on the couch directly next to the front door? Me. She had the kind of front porch where the door on the outside of the house is to get to a screen front porch. Then, once you go through that door you're able to get to the house's front door. So nighttime comes and I'm hunkering down, getting ready to go to sleep on the couch. I had my head at the far end of the couch, sleeping on my back to keep an eye on the front door across from the end of the couch that my feet were on. My dad slept on the other couch next to me and he falls asleep so fast it's ridiculous. Sure enough, a few hours into the night, the knocking began. I freeze. Like I mentioned earlier, I start getting the intense waves of hot flashes and I curl up with the blanket. To hear a knock at the front door in the middle of the night is horrifying. I try tapping my dad and he's such a heavy sleeper. I was so scared and just frantically poking my dad saying, Dad, 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 as quietly as I could, but he wouldn't wake. All the while, the knocking hasn't stopped. I get up and my legs are literally shaking. I open the door to the screen porch, 
fully prepared to head to the front door to open it. But the knocking stops. I turned around, locked the door, and laid down. Story number three. Again, I was 12 years old. Me, my dad, and my sister were living in a one-level house in Maryland. From the very beginning, we would hear footsteps, like sounds and shifting coming from above in the attic. My dad checked and never found anything, but we wrote it off as birds or mice due to the fact that this house had stood empty for a year. I believe the owner moved to California after his wife died. I don't think she died in the house, though. The first serious experience was when my sister, myself, and her new friend from her new school, she'd just become a freshman in high school, were in the kitchen, and my sister Jessica went down the hall to get something from her room. All of a sudden, she came sprinting back to the kitchen, absolutely hysterical. She said she had seen a maid down the hallway wearing a green dress and was old with dark hair. Her friend laughed it off, but of course, I believed her. She was so shaken up. Story number four was when my dad was asleep on the couch. Man, dad's always asleep on the couch. Sounds like me. I had gone down to the kitchen for a late night snack and did not want to wake him as I made my way back to my room. Our house had an L-shaped closet as soon as you walked through the front door. So I made my way by the front door to get to the hallway instead of walking by the couch. As I'm walking by the front door, a man whispers in my ear, Sarah, but in an abrupt way, like a loud whisper. And I dropped my plate of food and, of course, waking up my dad. This is one of the first times my dad got wind of experiences that would later lead to him having to be on call 24-7 in case I had another one. Because without a doubt, these experiences completely stemmed my paranoia I suffer from today. Story number five. I'm 17 years old, and this is the one that set the tone for, okay, I'm susceptible to extremely paranormal things and beings. And sort of grounded all prior experiences down to this extreme fact. Reminder, I mentioned earlier that my dad would eventually need to be on call 24-7 due to these random paranormal experiences I continuously encountered. This is where that comes into play. It was late, maybe past midnight. I was home alone and playing on my phone, standing up, leaning against my dresser next to the door of my room with the door open. My dad had started dating a traveling nurse, and my sister had started getting serious with the boyfriend as well. My dad's girlfriend was visiting home after traveling for a bit, so naturally, both my dad and my sister would stay with their partners often, and I would be home. At this point in my life, when I was home alone, I kept every light on in the house. This house we were living in was a small, one-level old house. If you said something in the room on one end, you could hear it in the kitchen on the opposite end. My bedroom wall was against the living room. I'm standing there and all of a sudden I hear a strong, loud, older woman laugh. Not a hysterical laugh. Not a sinister laugh. It was a laugh when something in the midst of a conversation abruptly makes you laugh. Just a friendly laugh coming from the living room. I stopped. I froze. I trembled because I was so close to my open door, but I managed to close it quickly and lock it. I sat on the furthest corner at the top of my bed against the wall. I legitimately rocked back and forth as I frantically tried to call anybody, anybody at all. Like I said, it was late. I tried to call my dad, my sister, my dad again, my friend, my dad 20 more times, 
my boyfriend at the time a dozen times. Nobody was answering. I finally got through to a friend of mine named Hope. Thank goodness. Because the anxiety I was feeling was starting to get absolutely unreal. She talked me down and just kept my mind busy, which is all I really needed. While on the phone with her, my dad calls. I hang up and answer and tell him everything completely hysterical. By this time, it was at least 1, 1.30. I've been sitting with this fear, anxiety, and adrenaline accompanied by some gut-wrenching suspense of what will happen next for an hour before I got a hold of anyone after hearing the laugh around midnight. He came home immediately. I think I slept in his room that night. This is the last one. Story number seven. Fast forward. Only a short amount of time. Not sure. Maybe a few weeks. A couple of months. I had really begun to grow the paranoia seed in my mind at this stage of my life due to all the past instances. I was especially paranoid one night during the summer and I didn't know why. I went to take a shower to calm my nerves and shut the bathroom door and locked it immediately. I got in the shower and started to relax, sort of, and all of a sudden I hear a crinkling of a grocery bag coming from right outside the door. I start to panic. I know that I personally sometimes hear things that aren't actually there while I'm in the shower because it's loud with the fan and the water and also my brain shoots to the worst possible scenario, especially at this time in my life. But no, that was real. Clear as day, almost like the bag was trying to be shoved under the small crack in the bottom of the door. I was again home alone. I immediately FaceTimed my friend while still literally in the shower. She lived down the street, but had just gotten her license and her first car, and her mom didn't want her driving because it was actually storming terribly outside at the time. Middle of summer tropical storm type of thing. So her mom actually drove to my house, and I was so riddled with fear that I stayed on the phone with my friend, never left the bathroom, and had her mom use the code for the lockbox key to get in. When her mom arrived, she made sure to call me first as to not make me crap myself when she opened the front door. When she's inside the house, she literally has to walk up to the bathroom and have me open the door still wrapped in my towel because I was so petrified to move. When I step out into the hallway, guess what I see? A grocery bag that had not been there before I entered the bathroom. I have a few more, but they're pretty minor, and I've already gone on for too long, I'm sure. Anyway, thank you so much. I rarely get the chance to talk about my experiences because conversations come up about ghosts and paranormal things, and I don't know how to get into all of it without seeming like a total tormented nutcase, but I realize now that I'm not, and even if I am, who cares? This whole podcast has helped me not feel so alone with my experiences and the effects it can have and bringing a little bit of curiosity and humor to each instead of shutting them out. Creep it real, you beautiful gals. I can't imagine how terrifying that would be, like being home alone and hearing things, especially at some of those young ages, too. Right? Mm. Also, this, my brain, how you wrote your stories made me think of Song lyrics, you kept saying, made my way. So all I could keep saying in my head was making, making my, my way, way downtown. downtown. Then you said, uh, every light in the house on. And so every light in the house was on. Yep. Had that one. And then another one. God, the L-shaped thing, the L-shape on the forehead, smash mouth. Mm, yeah, yeah. L-shape on the forehead. Yeah. yeah. 
oh my god every time i was like oh my god another lyric oh my god another lyric like i was like oh donna pay attention but it was like i wonder if she thinks in song lyrics like i do because all the time it was something and just like just how you worded it, it was so perfect well clearly you can tell from all the other sinister sightings you're not alone so you know maybe there's some other people who can kind of help you figure out how to manage the anxiety that goes along with your experiences and stuff because yeah you know there's a lot of other people who listen to the podcast who have experiences every day of things that they see and things they experience and because that's a lot to manage yeah and a lot of fears and all that i don't know i just keep picturing like the sixth sense and how you know like i know that that's not the same but like i don't know that's just like what i picture yeah I mean, I know that's a movie and not real life, but again, that's my only basis. Well, apparently mine's music, yours is movies, so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories, though. That, whew. All right, this next one is titled Ghost Story. Hi, ladies. I was turned on to your show from another podcast I listened to, TCO, True Crime Obsessed. I love you guys show just as much and not just because we're in the same city, but because you guys are very interesting. Um, Okay. That's a huge freaking compliment. Like the biggest. I want to start by telling you guys, I'm not one who believes in things I cannot reason, explain, just to let you guys know that I'm not a chump. That said, here's my story. My niece, who I raised as basically my daughter with the help of my mother, moved to Michigan with her two kids and her husband. She got a job at a research hospital there, and he got a youth pastor job. They were going apartment from apartment. I don't know Michigan specifics, but their rental agreements are freaking weird. Anyway, they found this old house in Lavania near the hospital and the church. Perfect, right? Well, she was pushing and pushing me to fly up and see her. Well, my 14-year-old son had a school vacation coming, and I thought this would be the perfect opportunity for his first plane ride. So we flew out of New Orleans, land in Michigan, get to my niece's house. I immediately get the heaves. I mean, immediately. But we get settled. She orders us dinner from a restaurant that had wonderful homemade hummus and naan. We are enjoying everything. She's showing me her house. It's very cute, but it is old and there's a basement. We come to the basement door and she says, do you want to see the basement? Do you want to see the basement? No. (laughs) Do you want to go and die? Yeah, right. Is there laundry involved? Hell no. (laughs) I don't want to go die. (laughs) Damn. Kids pops. <laughs> oh, God. Instead of uh, 2020 edition, I know it's 2021, but it's like the Z-O-Z-O. I'm not going to say it, but... Why, you scared? If you're scared, say you're scared. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared, and I don't want to be scared. <laughs> Three strikes, you're out. <laughs> if I strikes, I mean scratches. I mean, well, on other scratches, but not by him. I went to the door and looked down, then looked at her, and I asked, What's wrong? She told me nothing and that we'll talk later. Well, by this time, we're all tired. You know how travel makes you feel, so we all go to bed. 
It's very quiet and I was having issues getting to sleep. I have issues going to sleep anyway, but this felt different. She put my son in her living room and me in my own room that is directly over the basement. I'm tossing and turning, going from looking on my phone, reading by the small bedside lamp, and going to the bathroom while checking on my son. All of a sudden, her son starts screaming. I run to his room, but he has stopped, so I realize he's asleep while doing this. My niece comes out of her room and says, ever since we moved to this house, he has had night terrors. So that upped the heaps. She said he'll settle down and not remember anything in the morning, so go back to bed. So I do, but I can't sleep. So I say to myself, this is it. Go to sleep. And then I start hearing this tap, tap, nope, tap, tap. I have the small lamp on. And so I'm looking around going, where is that coming from? I know my son is asleep because I can hear him snoring. I know the other kids are asleep, but maybe it's some dumbass northern bug I don't know about. Tap, tap, tap. Where the fuck is that coming from? Looking around, sitting up in bed, looking around, and then I see it. There is this vent in the floor It has a penny-sized hole next to it, and there's this gray finger sticking out of it and tapping on the floor. What? Then I say out loud, get the fuck out of here, and it points at me. What? I raise my voice and say, fuck you. I roll over and put my back to it and turn the light off and go directly to sleep. So I wake up the next morning, my niece gets me a cup of coffee and asks me how I slept. I have almost convinced myself by this time that I dreamt the finger, but she tells me that since the sun's up when we have to leave to do whatever we're going to do that day, I'll tell you about this house. So we go on about our day and we stop at Dave and Buster's for lunch and the day and thoughts of the fingers go or talking about our house go by without any discussion. Couple of days pass. We're leaving and my niece is taking us to the airport. We start talking about the elderly lady that had previously owned the house and how she had been in it for years. I asked if she was always alone or if she was married. My niece was quiet for a while and then she said, her husband died by suicide in the basement. That brought back the memories of the finger. She then went into how uneasy she is in the basement. So I told her what happened to me on the first night. She was floored. Pun intended. intended. (laughs) I think more floored that I had slept in the room for two nights after that. I told her that you cannot let them win. This is your house. Go home, go into that basement, look around, and go no more. She told me that she would have to pray really hard before she attempted that. We've never talked about it since, and that was two years ago. She still lives in that house and is now quarantined there, so I really hope she did do it. Sorry this turned out to be so long. Keep turning out the great stories. Ladies, you are doing such a good job. 2020 sucks a satchel of Richards. Okay, I'm still in that. But also, then they added like a little PS. I also need to add that my niece just recently had a baby. My mom went to Michigan to put her hands on her sixth great-grandchild. I FaceTimed her to see when she thought she might be coming home and if she was having a nice time. When her face appeared on the screen, there was this huge bruise on her forehead. (gasps) 
I asked about what happened and she said, I'm not really sure, but I went to the bathroom last night and you know, there's a nightlight in the bathroom and at night you just usually try to use less light so you don't wake yourself up all the way. So it was kind of dark in the bathroom. I'm peeing and I look up and through hazy eyes, I thought there was someone standing in front of me. So it startled me. And the next thing you know, I'm bashing my head on the hand towel rod. She said she eventually came to her senses, turned on the light and there was nothing there. Nothing where she could assume someone was there. No shape, no nothing. I asked, how did you manage to hit the hand towel rod on the other side of the bathroom? She said it felt like someone had their hand on the back of her head and was guiding her to it. I said, hand the phone to your granddaughter right now. She appears looking very sad and sheepish. I said, you didn't do it, did you? She looks away and says, no, ma'am. And then the phone disconnected. (gasps) I tried calling my mom back. I tried calling my niece, her husband. No one answered. They all went straight to voicemail. My mom later that night texted and said all their phones were drained of their batteries. And she knows her phone was fully charged when I called. And she doesn't know what's going on. I think I might, but it makes me very angry every time I think of it. My mom does not believe in the supernatural or ghost. And she's just as mean as I am. So I think whatever is in my niece's house could not get my mom to see like it made me see. She's just playing it off as it's her fault. She's just old and clumsy, and that's not a good mix like she always tells me. I hope this incident opens my niece's eyes and she will confront that piece of crap entity that tries its very best to torture and hurt people. I'll keep you guys posted. Thanks for your podcast, Amber. Holy fuck. Holy, yeah. First of all, what in the creepy fucking scary movie with that shit coming out the fucking grate in the bottom of the shit? No, thank you. No, ma'am. Uh-uh. Not And then it that. pointed it at pointed her. pointed and it tick, tick, tick. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No. And then your poor fucking mama and then your fucking niece. She knew what she did because she broke out the yes, ma'am. She knew what she fucking did. Um, Ain't do. She didn't do. Also, shout out Amber for being from Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And a fellow TCO fan. Well, all I got to say is you better, uh, I don't know. Keep us updated. Yes. Well, we're going from an entity to the next one is The Devil Spoke. Hello, ladies. You can use my first name, Marianne. I have a few short stories for you. I will start with a sweet one. My paternal grandmother died before my father, her son, met and married my mother. My father had been very close to his mother, He actually was the one to find her after she had died. He came home and found her dead on the bathroom floor from either a stroke or a heart attack. They believe she had gone to the bathroom to get some headache medicine, but died from the problem. Anyway, my father met my mother years later, and after courting for a few years, they decided to marry. My father says that in the wee hours of the morning of his wedding, he shot Bolt upright in bed and looked at the doorway at the end of his bed. He said he saw his mother. She simply smiled and nodded as if to say, yes, she's the right woman for you. I love you. Then she vanished. My father swore it was his mother giving him her blessing to marry my mom. Now for a not so scary one. I was born and bred a Catholic and attended Catholic elementary, middle and high school. My high school was run by nuns. We had religion class, and the nuns would discuss, obviously not all the time, things like never using a Ouija board, and this one is important, 
when in groups of three or more, never discuss the devil as he will eavesdrop to hear what you are saying and to find out ways to get to you. He is very sneaky that way. I had a couple of friends that would hang out with me and drive around town on a Friday night. I had my license, but they did not, so I was the designated driver. We all attended the same Catholic school and had heard the same lessons. So, being kids, instead of heeding those lessons, we discussed them. The one we decided to discuss was the one about not talking about the devil. Very foolish. As the night was winding down, I dropped one friend at her house and then took the next one to her home. We are still discussing the rule. And like any other kid at the time, I have my radio on so we can sing along when a great song comes on. My last friend gets out of the car and is walking to her door. I wait for her to get safely inside. As I'm waiting in the car, in the dark, all by myself, there is a lull in the radio station as if the DJ had stepped away from the mic and the music had stopped playing. Then I hear a voice come across the radio station. It sounded like it was coming through a long tunnel. The male voice says, Don't believe what the church tells you. Only believe what I say. It scared the bejesus out of me. I flipped the radio off and drove home as fast as I could, saying the rosary all the way. I was so scared to get out of my car in the dark, but eventually made it in the house. Okay, last story. When I was five years old, my parents took me to Walt Disney World. My aunt and her family came too. We all decided to ride the Haunted Mansion. Being young, that ride was so scary. My mom, my aunt, and one of my cousins rode in one boom buggy with me. It went, mom, me, cousin, aunt across the bench seat of the boom buggy. I was so scared. I hid my eyes a lot, but I did see most of the ride. As the ride is finishing up, the announcer tells us to beware of hitchhiking ghosts. I open my eyes and I see a ghost sitting right between me and my mom. But more importantly, I feel the ghost put his arm around me. I scream. My mother grabs me and wants to know what's wrong. I tell her the ghost grabbed me and she starts to laugh because at the moment the announcer told us about the ghost, my mother had grown concerned about me and put her arm around me to make sure I was okay. She was the ghost. Anyway, thanks for listening. Keep it real. And in my case, get very scared, Marianne. Oh my gosh, Marianne. Well, now they like the ghost will like change your heads. What? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Not, it's different every time. How do they change your head? Because it's all holograms. But they change your head? Yeah. That's what people say. Me and Tiffany wrote it, and I can't remember what happened when we wrote it. I don't know. I fucking love that ride, though. Uh, Scariest part for me is the conveyor belt that never stops moving. Because it's going one way, but the other things, are like the buggies are going a different way. Uh, Call me Carrie, because that makes me clumsy as fuck. I was like, please don't fall. Please don't fall. Please don't fall. I don't remember that part, but I do remember the ghost uh, being a hitchhiker. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because they're trying to get people to get on the buggies and go instead of lollygagging around. Yeah. But um, also, uh, mobility issues, people. Come on. Also, about the radio thing. Oh, my gosh. Somebody fucking broke through 
Mm-hmm. Somebody with their little ham radio. Deep, deep, boop, boop, boop. Yes. Don't believe. Oh my God, that's fucking funny. Oh my gosh, hilarious. And it just happened to be. Uh huh. I would be so fucking scared shitless. Mm-hmm. Like for the rest of my life. Ugh, I love your stories. All right, here's another one. Hello, beautiful ladies. I am one of your youths and have an unknown mental disorder, which will be important later on. Anyways, on to my story. I think I can kind of tell the future. Nothing bad or scary, just really strange. So something that helps me calm down is putting my fist up, looking up, and going side to side. I don't know why, but it just feels really good. And a month ago, my mom signed me up for a drama camp she convinced me to do by telling me I would do the lights or write the script. Boy, was she wrong. I had to act and dance, and I'm a very shy person and also very awkward. In fact, my first boyfriend broke up with me because of that. So anyways, the dance moves I ended up having to do was the exact same thing I do to calm down. I was totally flabbergasted, so of course I told my mom when I got into the car. The next thing that happened was when we were at my grandparents' lake house tubing. My sister's friend came along and all three of us, two large pizzas and one medium pizza, were able to fit into this tiny tube. My sister's friend grew her nails out and I jokingly said, it's all fun and games until, insert name, loses her nail. Well, guess what? An hour later, she lost her nail and was bleeding. We all laughed, but I still have a feeling I can somehow predict the future. I always get a strange feeling when I think something bad's going to happen. Anyways, that's my story about how I think I can predict the future. Also, I found your podcast from Let's Not Meet, and I found Let's Not Meet from Something Scary Podcast. Look, I totally think Carrie can predict the future, so I believe you. Well, okay, so I really feel like this is, okay, this is going to make me sound, well, whatever. So... I think it has something to do with your sense with your sensory processing disorder. Like because clearly not to like diagnose you cuz I literally know nothing about you, but if you have your way the way in which that you calm yourself has to do with your vestibular system and because the fact that you tilt your head up and sway, you're impacting your vestibular system because the canaliths which are like the I'm probably saying that wrong because, you know, it's been a while, but the, which are like the crystals in your inner ear that shift as you move your ear, which are part of like your balance and all of that, that are again, the vestibular system. So you're shifting that, which provides you the, like that sensory input for your vestibular system. So you're impacting that with the looking up and then you're getting the swaying with it too. So, so clearly your sensory seeking for your vestibular system. I say clearly, every OT that's listening are like, I was like, oh, Carrie, it's been a while since you've been in peds. Maybe you should go back to that class. I'm not sure about the arm in the air unless it's more challenging to your balance, which makes it more vestibularly challenging. That's interesting. But I feel like people, not everybody, but some people that have ADHD that tend to be able to connect, like read people better, not everybody, but some people with ADHD have that where they can just read people differently and I think that some people with certain sensory processing disorders have that too because you connect in a different way because you process things differently therefore you're able to understand something differently than someone else 
you just pick up on things differently. And so it's like you almost, you know what I mean? So you're like, oh, I feel this. My phone's about to ring because it's like maybe you feel the vibration a little bit before it actually vibrates because you're more sensitive to that vibration. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, there's, I literally have nothing scientific to back that up other than the fact of it's my opinion. Oh, that sounds like a Donna research thing. You joined over to my side of thinking. But that does make sense because Carrie always thinks that she has a good judge of people. Like her gut is a good judge of like character or whatever. But I don't know if it's like I don't go on her gut on character, but I go on her gut on situations. Like 100 on a situation. If y'all could see my fucking face, when have I been wrong? Countless times. Never. Literally never. (laughs) But not ever like on a situation part. But I think that goes in with your like whole anxiousness and more like being high high alert Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, because you're anxious about stuff. It's like more of like an intuitive. That's what I was looking for. Like intuitive. Yeah. My brother-in-law Mark's like that a lot too. And he's not to like tell all shit, but like he's ADHD too, but he's very intuitive to people and situations and, you know, and he's very much like that as well. But again, I literally have no basis in science for that. It's just my opinion. So don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like that. Cause that, that kind of like marries the science and the, Like, unknown together, though. Yeah. And it kind of gives it a basis of there's a reason for that, but then you have to actually hone in on that. And it is special to you. And also, what you think could be a curse is actually a blessing. Also, I get my sensory stuff is through swaying back and forth as well so if you like if you see me standing in one spot i'm going to be swaying always so it's interesting that i get my sensory input that way too and it's interesting do you have to lean on things a lot like when you're like sitting down like at a desk or a table or something are you leaning on on it always or you know like if you're standing next to something do you immediately lean on it or do you have to are you able to just stand there because that's um tends to be you have vestibular input Ooh. issues too like you're seeking if you lean on things mm. a lot i can't remember what it was what we were doing but carrie was at my dad's house and she was being very anxious or a bitch i don't know probably but, both yeah but normally if she can like turn in circles or like shake or something. She is better. And my dad has an electric wheelchair. And I was like, can you get in that and do some circles? That bitch did. And she was like, okay, good. (laughs) I was like, well, that's amazing. (laughs) And like, she's done it to me. Like if I, I need like pressure. Yes. You're definitely seeking when it comes to pressure yeah so like if i will get anxious and stuff like she'll just like squeeze my shoulders and stuff and it or like put she puts her weight on my like presses down on my shoulders and it's like okay i'm good thank you (laughs) like like the weight of the world is on my shoulders and then it's taken off by extra weight and it's good I don't understand science at all. I'm like, I don't understand how that works. But then if you're like, a ghost is inside the house, I'm like, yeah, I understand that. Okay, cool. But again, that's like temporary. Oh, for sure. That's like not a true modulation of someone who has a legit like 
they have autism spectrum disorder. Right. And they have like a sensory processing deficit from that. You right. Know? But I had no idea before Carrie was an OT about any of this shit. Any of it. And I'm like, okay. Oh, no, that worked. <laughs> like, hmm. Science is real. <laughs> like, damn. Okay, the next one. Hello, my lovelies. I have a true crime, holy crap story for you. Picture it. Halloween, 1993. El Cajon, California. I was living in San Jose at the time. I turned on the TV, and whatever I was watching, the news broke in for a breaking story in El Cajon. My gram lives there, so I paid attention. There was a standoff with SWAT at an apartment complex where a man was shooting at people and started a fire. They zoomed in on a court where there was a body, and it was covered. But the thing was, they were right outside my gram's bedroom window. What? I started freaking, of course, and called my mom, who lived in Escondido, which was like half an hour away. She was in hysterics, and once I got her a little calmed down, we talked about the rescue center that was set up, and she said she would head there, but I made her promise to take my aunt, who lived in the same park as her, and call me later. They found her at the center, scared, but okay. She told them that she hid behind her couch till SWAT came in and escorted her to safety. Gordon Newman, a 62-year-old recluse that had lived there for over 20 years and hated kids, broke his front window and started shooting people at around 3 p.m. He killed a 9-year-old girl and a 40-year-old woman, plus injuring five others. He then set his apartment on fire. He fired 10 to 15 rounds into the courtyard. He had stockpiled ammo in the apartment that was setting off small explosions while they put out the fire. It took four hours. They couldn't tell if he died from self-inflicted gunshots or from smoke inhalation. Over 50 people were left homeless because of the smoke damage, Graham being one of them. After this, they were finally able to get that stubborn woman to agree to move out of El Cajon, where she had lived for many, many years, and find a place in Escondido, closer to everyone. They say he did it because he was harassed by the kids. They called him Igor. They treated him terrible. I remember playing in the courtyard and hearing him yell at us for walking by, so my uncles mouthed off to him. They seemed to feed off each other. This just reminds me that we need to think more before we open our mouths because you don't know what's going on with people and what may push someone too far, especially right now. Be safe, fellow creepsters. Love you. Wendy from Fresno. Wow. wow that's so heartbreaking. That nine-year-old. and <sighs> Your poor grandma. I'm so glad she's safe. Oh, my gosh. And I can't imagine like that breaking in and then being like, wait, 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 wait. That's where she lives. And then, like, no, 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 no. That's right outside of her bedroom. Right. And then, like, but you're so right because tensions are so high right now. I mean, I know in some places, obviously, things have kind of slacked off a little bit. But in some places, they're still in serious lockdown. And it's fucking hard. I cannot even imagine what right. some people are going through. And so, 
Tensions are fucking high. So if you're in an apartment like this where kids are playing outside because they're not in school and someone is more of a homebody that, you know, that doesn't like kids and doesn't want the loud noise outside of their apartment window and all of that, it can be very triggering for them. And so, yes, just try to be kind. Not saying that what he did was right. I'm not justifying his behavior by any means, but you really don't ever know what's going to set somebody over the edge. Defend yourself. Yes. I'm not saying kowtow to them, but I'm also saying just be kind. Yeah. There's a way to defend yourself, and then there's a way to not fight ugliness with ugliness. And not escalate a situation that doesn't need to be escalated. Yeah. And again, not victim blaming or not Oh, fuck no. He, He was completely wrong. He's a fucking piece of shit. He killed innocent people and hurt innocent people. And so many were left homeless. And I mean, fucking no, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And wanted to kill more. Like he had so much shits piled up mm-hmm. wanting to do that damage. So, yeah. And I mean, were fuck, were those, I thought when, when she was writing about the gunshot wounds, I was like, hell, was it the damn ammo just going off in the apartment? True. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's how that works. Fuck if I know, but you know what I mean? It's I how mean, it there works was, in the movies. <laughs> but you know, there was so much, I mean, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Everybody listening that knows, you know, anything about firearms is like, um, no. <laughs> Well, yeah. It's not a fucking firecracker. I don't know. It's such a hard, fine line, you know. But because you can't control their behavior. Right. Because he's a piece of shit and he's going to do what he's going to fucking do. But you can control yours and you can control how you react to a situation. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, moving on to a lighter subject. Just kidding. This one is demonic haunting and psychic premonitions. Hi, friends. You may remember me when you first joined TikTok. We follow each other, and my handle is at Ginger Slunt or Slunt. You know, it's slut with an N, okay, people? I don't know how to say it. I know slut, okay? (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) My name is Nicole Gable. I live in New York City, and I have been super haunted and spooky my entire life. I have 68 independent ghost stories archived in my iPhone notes and probably around 200 to 300 individual paranormal encounters within those stories. We'll just freaking turn that into a book. Well, this she says, I plan to write a book, but I don't mind sharing a story or two with your pod. These haven't been shared with any other podcast. Okay, well, I am all ears. Apparently you had a premonition. I'm listening to an episode in which you ladies mentioned wanting more demon stories and premonitions, so I'm here to deliver. Firstly, my premonitions and dream premonitions began when I was a toddler. We had a house phone in my childhood home, one of the wall phones with the spiral cords. I would always hear the phone ringing in my head about 30 seconds before it would actually ring. Eventually, I got so annoyed with the occurrences that I started announcing to my parents and sister, phone's gonna ring. Every time it happened. And without fail, within 10 to 30 seconds, the house phone would ring. My parents thought I was bribing people to call it at certain times of the day to create a fake prediction. That is, until one day they picked up the phone and it was my school teacher. Being that there was no way the teacher was in on this quote unquote trick, they finally believed me. Also, 
so interesting that just a couple stories ago, we were talking about the phone thing. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. The phone predictions continued on until I was around 19 years old. It still happens every few months, but during my younger years, it was a several times per day occurrence. For whatever reason, it happened the most when I got my first phone, a silver Nokia flip phone. It became a running joke with my family and friends that at least once per day, I would go frantically digging for my phone since I was hearing the ringing clearly in my head and would open the phone to no missed calls. I would sigh and rolling my eyes declare, my phone's going to ring. Without fail, within seconds, my phone would ring in my hand. The next time I made a significant prediction was when my grandmother died. I was in the Middle East last summer for a few weeks. My father is mostly Syrian and Jordanian, and I wanted to visit the homeland. The time difference between New York and the United Arab Emirates is eight hours, so I was always ahead of my family back at the States by eight hours. I got a phone call that my grandmother took a fall and was in the hospital. That was not an odd occurrence. Granny Annie was 85 years old and as vibrant as ever, even energetically recalling and retelling stories from her early childhood. Also, love the name Granny Annie. Right. Love that. She took tumbles often. Clumsiness is hereditary, I guess. And she'd break a bone, get patched up in the hospital, and be on her way home in a few days. Well, that evening, I had a dream that my grandmother came to visit me. The dream was particularly odd because she sat in my hotel room in the Middle East as if I was experiencing an out-of-body experience. Worried, I said to her, Granny, I don't want you to die. Why are you here? She heartedly laughed and said in her thick Maltese accent, Oh, honey, I'm already gone. I shot out of bed, crying hysterically. My now husband soothed me and I went back to sleep. I couldn't call my family back home since I was eight hours ahead and they were surely sleeping. The following morning, I texted my sister, call me when you wake up. She called first thing to ask if I was all right. And I told her about my dream the night before. The line went silent. Are you still there? I asked. After a moment, she broke the silence and told me shakily, I'm still here. Granny slipped into a coma yesterday. She's brain dead. They're going to take her off of life support, and I couldn't call you because you were asleep due to the time zones. We were obviously upset, but I felt a sense of comfort knowing that Granny's spirit must have left her body and immediately visited me across the world to comfort me. The final story is a little more sinister. Several years ago, I had an extremely disturbing dream that I was being tormented by a demonic spirit. I was in an apartment I had never been in before. In the dream, I climbed up a flight of stairs, walked down a hall, and into a bedroom. A closet was butted up directly against one of the bedroom walls. It had white doors and white shelving above the clothes rack. I saw red eyes glaring at me, taunting me through the darkness of that closet. I ran to quickly shut the closet door, and as I did, I was jolted awake. I remember thinking, I need to find out whose house that was. I spent the better part of the following day texting family and friends asking if they were all right and if they had anything bad going on that would warrant a bad nightmare on my end. Nobody had any information to offer me. About a month later, I went to a meetup for an online group that I'm a part of. I became fast friends with my now best friend, Anthony. 
He's super flamboyantly gay and a practicing witch. One night we were having a few drinks and talking about paranormal stuff. I remember my nightmare. I said, I know this is going to sound weird because we're not very close and just met, but I had this nightmare a couple of months ago and I haven't found out who it was about yet. I explained the dream to him and his jaw absolutely dropped. With every new detail, the staircase, the hallway, the bedroom, he insisted that I was messing with him. I had never been to his house and the dream occurred a month before I even met him. Finally, the moment of truth, I asked if his closet was in the corner of the bedroom. Yes, he responded. Is your bedroom white? Yes, he responded, more freaked out with each answer. Are your closet doors white? Yes. Nicole, you're freaking me out. Do you have white shelving in your closet? At this point, he got up to dramatically walk out of the room as if saying, oh, hell no, this shit is insane. Indeed, he did have white shelving in his closet. I continued, don't freak out, but in the dream, there was a demon in that closet. Does this make any sense to you? He laughed loudly and shook his head in disbelief. Anthony, the practicing black magic witch who frequently practiced demon magic, took a long drag of a cigarette and says calmly, It doesn't only make sense to me because I know there is a demon in that closet. He crosses his legs and continues on. I know because I put the bastard in there. There's currently a line of salt in front of the closet to keep him contained because it wouldn't leave me the hell alone. We still laugh about it to this day. He moved out of that house and left the demon there to torment his abusive father. Welp, that's all I can squeeze into this email. Please let me know if you'd be interested in hearing a few more stories of the hundreds I have documented. I currently have part one of a two-part slash hour-long story of a ghost child who has haunted me for eight years on my YouTube channel, and that's called Gable and Claude. In the video, I document several unexplained noises and voices that have occurred in real time as I recorded. Damn. One of these days, I will tell the very long story of the demon infestation and subsequently witnessing a real Catholic exorcism. And yes, it was exactly like in the horror movies. But if your listeners enjoy these, I'm sure they'd enjoy some more of my shorter stories as a preview for my book. Sending so much love to you both. Nicole Gable. Holy fuckballs. Also, again, she's Ginger Slunt on TikTok and Instagram and Gable and Claude on YouTube. And y'all, she has one of those hairless cats. That's Claude. So if you are a fan of those kind of cats, you know, like Dr. Evil. I know there is a name for it. I know. But it's a Dr. Evil cat. (laughs) Forever and always will be Dr. Evil's cat. So you can go love on Claude if you like that. But back to her stories, we need all of them. But I mean, I understand the book thing, but... uh, Yeah. Also, it's very interesting, though, because it's like your story with your grandma totally supports the science of no brain activity, pull the plug. You know, I mean, yes, there's like the rare occasion that, okay, they said no brain activity, but they left someone on, let's say, a ventilator and then... 13 years later, they came out of a coma. Like, there's that rare occasion. Yeah. But your story supports the science, you know? That's so true. God, you and the science tonight, it's like making sense to me. Now, that's a sinister sighting. Well, fuck a demon, though. I I want no part of that. I don't even want to. I don't even know. I don't don't know. Mm -mm. I don't need a red eyes. 
No, but I do love hearing demonic stories. So yes, I loved you sharing this, but um, I don't want to ever experience a demon. Sounds like you found your uh, soulmate partner in Anthony, though. So yes, twin flame. Okay, one last bonus one, just as a little palate cleanser. This one's called Sleep Talking Husband. Hi, ladies. I found your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I'm completely obsessed. You two are so fun, and your stories are the best. I wanted to write in to tell you about my sleep-talking husband. I don't have any ambient stories. Sorry, Donna. But I think these are the same realm. Anyhow, about 19 years ago, when my husband was just my boyfriend, he spent the night for the first time. I was sleeping and woke up in a panic because he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I sat up, freaked out, and turned to see him sound asleep, just laying there, screaming. So I shake him and try to wake him up. And after a couple of minutes, he opens his eyes and says, God, why are you waking me up? (laughs) Then he rolled over and went back to sleep. The next day, he tells me, oh, by the way, I talk in my sleep. Uh, Just a little. He said he was dreaming a killer clown was chasing him, but he didn't remember me waking him up. (laughs) We've been married 15 years now, and he always talks in his sleep, but no more screaming. One night, I woke up because he started to squeeze as he hugged me and said, Oh, you're so soft, like a pillow. A pillow I want to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And I started cracking up. Then he continues, Oh, I just want to hold you, hold you while I take a shit. (laughs) At this point, I am laughing so hard, but I didn't want to wake him up. The rest of the night, he just kept mumbling about pillows. Well, these are a couple crazy things that he has said in his sleep. I hope you like them. I'll send another email about the ghost in my grandparents' home and my psychic daughter on another day. Creep it real, Vanessa. Oh, my God. I feel I want to fuck. I love this so much. (laughs) Colby talks in his sleep so much, too, and I will laugh so hard sometimes (laughs) at it. Like, because he's a pipe fitter, and one time he goes... That's some good looking pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That was good to end on. Thank y'all so much for all these amazing emails. Y'all never freaking disappoint. Keep sending them in aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.